That was lovely. Thank you, guys. Especially shout-outs to the tuba. I love tuba. It just adds a different kind of feel to those songs. Well, my name is Pastor Larry, and we are in a series right now talking about stories from the life of Jesus that happen around the water. Uh, as it turns out, Jesus lived around the water quite a bit. So many of the encounters and, the, and the, the stories that he had happened in that place. So that's what we've been doing for a couple of weeks now. And uh, I think I'm just going to launch right into our story today. We are in Luke 5 today. And I'm just going to start reading in Luke 5, beginning in chapter 1. So you can read along with me in your pew Bibles or your phone or your Bible or, your, or the screen, whatever you want. You can read along. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I'm going to pause there because for the rest of the story, I would like some help. So if you are a kid, uh, Uh, in elementary school or younger, please come on up here and help me. I have some treats for you, so it will be worth your while if you can help me, I promise. So, uh, yeah, if you make your way up here. This is our boat. So why don't you stand up here, or sit up here, on the boat with me. We're going to use our imagination. And imagine this is our boat, and we are on the boat with Simon and Jesus. Go ahead and sit down. It's all boys today. Okay, we got a girl coming up. Great. I love diversity. Okay, so um, actually, if you guys can spread out a little bit, because we're going to need to use all the boat here. Great. Okay, so Jesus has just been preaching to the crowd. He's on the boat with Simon, right? Hey, there's a crowd. Look. Can you wave to the crowd? Hi, crowd. Great. So after Jesus is done preaching to the crowd, they're on the boat together. He tells Simon to go even further out into the water and to throw his net out for some more fish. Now, there's just one problem here, right? Simon and his friends have been fishing all night long, and they haven't caught anything, nothing at all. As a matter of fact, I have a net that shows you what they were fishing for. Why don't you go ahead and pull that right over there, Ryan? Yeah, go ahead and pull it. That's our net. That's a net that Simon and his friends were fishing with all night. Go ahead and pull on it. There's something at the end of it. Pull, 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 pull. Oh, oh, there's, there's a net. Oh, all right. Let's, what's, what's in our net? Why don't you check and see what's in there? Bags? Uh, oh, it's just junk. Oh, that's disappointing. Man, can you imagine what it would be like to be Simon and his friends and that's what you get after fishing all night long? That's really disappointing, huh? And yet, Jesus asks him to do that again, to fish some more. How would you feel if you were Simon? Would you be disappointed? Would you want to do that? No, I don't think I'd want to cast in my net either. Here's what Simon says to Jesus. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So Simon still trusted Jesus anyway, didn't he? He decided to cast down the nets. Okay, so they, so they got a little bit further and Simon throws over the nets And then guess what happens? Something happens. Okay, so this is the net that Simon cast out, okay? Why don't you go ahead and pull that one up? Oh, it's a little heavy. Can you guys help her? I I think that might take a... Oh, there's something in there, huh? Oh, yeah. 
Whoa, pull, heave, oh. Here we go, let's, let's pull it in the middle. Let's get, it, let's get it in the middle so everybody can look in here. All right, what's, what's in here? Candy. Wow, not just candy, it's Swedish fish. Hundreds of Swedish fish. And a giant frog. And a giant frog. Okay. All right. Okay, guys, just one fish, okay? One fish. One fish. And a, and a real fish. And a rubber ducky. Okay. All right. And a giant frog. Okay, grab one. Oh, you guys can come up here. Oh, and a puzzle piece. And a puzzle piece shaped like a fish. Why is there a giant frog? I don't know. We call some fish. Okay, take one fish, and there's still some more questions I have for you guys, okay? There you go. There's a fish. Okay, now imagine that you are Simon and you've just caught this huge net of fish after fishing all night long and getting nothing. How would you feel? I feel great. You feel great. Okay, would you be surprised? Yes. Yeah? Any other emotions you can think of? How about astounded? That's a good one. Yep. Would you be afraid? No. No? Well, guess what? That's what Simon was. He was afraid. Let me read you what he said. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, isn't that an interesting response? So we're going to kind of figure out, why was Simon Peter afraid when that happened? But guess what Jesus said to him? Jesus says to him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So instead of a fisherman, he's a man fisherman. That's fun, huh? But Jesus totally changes his career and just changes Simon's life forever after he catches all these fish. So we're, that's the story we're going to talk about today. Thank you guys for helping me to tell it. Take one fish back. No, let's leave that in the bag. Thank you. Yeah, that one goes back in the bag. But you can take the Swedish fish. All right. Thank you, guys. Let's give these guys a hand. What a lot of fun. I love kids. So we are going to continue exploring that story. We're going to walk through it again. And as we walk through it, I want us to pay attention to three questions that I think Jesus is asking. He doesn't say these questions out loud, but you can see how he interacts with Simon that these are the things that he's sort of querying him on. And we're going to kind of get into Simon's shoes because I think that they're the questions that Jesus asks us today. Those questions are, first of all, do you trust me? Secondly, do you know who I am really? And the third one is, do you want to change? Do you want to change? So Jesus is asking us those questions. He's asking Simon those questions. We're going to explore as we go through the story and figure out how that works. So first of all, let's talk about Simon. Simon knew Jesus at this point. We see in the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus had been in Simon's house. He had actually healed Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. And so Simon knew Jesus as a healer, at least, right, at this point, because he'd healed his mother-in-law, he'd seen other healings. He also probably knew Jesus as a teacher, because he'd seen Jesus teach in his boat right there. For who knows how long. But you, so there's some level of relationship and trust. And you can, you can guess that that's probably why Simon was totally okay with Jesus using his boat. Because he had that relationship. But when Jesus asked him to push out his boat and cast his net. It takes that relationship just a little bit further, doesn't it? Because you, if you think about it. 
here's Simon, a, a fisherman, and he knows that you fish at night because the fish are easier to catch. They're closer to the surface of the water. But during the day, they're gone. They've gone deeper. He also knows that he's washing his nets. He's done. He's done with his day. And yet here Jesus says, hey, pull out that net again. Let's give it one more try. And you can imagine if you were in Simon's place, what if he fails? What if there are no fish? Then he's wasted his time. He looks like a fool. So Jesus is asking Simon to do something. On the face of it looks and sounds like nonsense. Here's what I want to draw it into our realm and our experience. Do you ever think that Jesus asks us to do anything that sounds like nonsense on the face of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are someone who's a believer, who's, who's following Jesus, you might have gotten used to this idea, but the, the reality is, is the, the, the principal, um, principal piece of our faith, of the Christian faith, of, of believing that Jesus is the Son of God, is actually kind of crazy. You know, if, for some of you, who maybe who are in this room who are exploring, you kind of wrestle with that, maybe. You recognize that to say that a man is God is kind of a leap. So yeah, so Jesus asks us to believe things that might seem like nonsense on the first surface of them. But let's say you jump that hurdle. You do believe that he is the Son of God. Well, then you have to deal with his teachings. In, in Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at that, you realize he says some hard things. He tells his followers that if someone slaps you on the face, give him the other cheek. Don't punch him back. He tells his followers to pray in a closet. To not be anxious and worry about anything because God supplies everything they need. That seems like a stretch. He tells his followers to love their enemies. So does Jesus ask us to do things that seem like nonsense on the face of it? Oh yeah, he does. And whether you're a believer or you're not, the truth is is that Jesus is asking for us to trust him. He's asking for us to trust him. And the longer that you're around Jesus, the more that you will realize that he will, tr- he will test that trust. He will challenge your trust of him. Because trust is the basis of relationship. If there is no trust, there is no relationship. And the more that you trust Jesus, the more you get to know him. The more you get to know him. So let's, just, let's play around with our imaginations one more time. And just imagine that today, now... Jesus were to come to Chapel Hill and he were to walk down the center aisle, what do you imagine your reaction would be? What would that be like for you? What emotions, what kind of reaction would you have? Maybe you think it would look a little like this. Not that. Alice, is this cool? Yeah, come on in. Sorry to bother you, but we had to come and tell you how much we really enjoyed the show, didn't we, guys? Oh, thanks. We're not mental or anything, so don't be afraid. My name is Wayne, and this is Garth. Nice to meet you guys. So, do you come to Milwaukee often? Well, I'm a regular visitor here, but Milwaukee has certainly had its share of visitors. The French missionaries and explorers were coming here as early as the late 1600s to trade with the Native Americans. In fact, isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Yes, Pete, it is. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for 
the good land. I was not aware of that. I think one of the most interesting aspects of Milwaukee is the fact that it's the only major American city to have ever elected three socialist mayors. Does this guy know how to party or what? Huh? Huh? Huh. Okay. Well, we got to get going. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with us. With Alice Cooper. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! All right. Sometimes I wonder if we imagine that meeting Jesus would be like meeting a rock star. Kind of like that. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! But you know what? I don't think we give Jesus enough credit. The level of relationship that Wayne and Garth have with Alice Cooper doesn't really get past something like admiration or respect. But when you read the accounts of the Gospels and you see the kind of things that happen with the disciples and the sort of encounters they have with Jesus, the one thing that we see over and over again is is that they have these encounters where they are afraid. They are afraid, just like Simon. Fear. Now, we were kind of surprised at that kind of reaction, but again and again, that's the sort of emotion that Jesus elicits from his disciples in these encounters. To understand that, actually, I think we need to go back to a story in the Old Testament. And we need to use our imagination, once again, to just kind of live with a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah in chapter 6, has a vision. And this vision is really vivid, it's really powerful. And so let's use our imagination to live with Isaiah and his story. Here's what happens. And as we listen, actually, I want you to pay attention to the similarities between Isaiah's story and Simon's story. It says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And here's where you really need to pay attention. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you see the similarities there between Isaiah's story and Simon's? How they reacted much the same, even though Isaiah is in the temple and Simon is in a boat surrounded by fish, they still had this moment of awe, of fear, because they both saw the same thing. They both saw the glory of God. Now to understand the glory of God, I want to talk to you about my master bathroom. Right, okay, follow me here. So a couple of weeks ago, I, was, uh, I had to replace the light bulbs in my master bath because they burn out every three months. And I decided to replace them with LED lights. And I noticed that these LED lights were soft and, and warm lights, which are not typically what you want in your bathroom. You want bright white lights because bright white lights make you look uglier. <laughs> follow me here. Bright white lights are really effective at bringing out details. And when you're in the bathroom, you want to see all your blemishes. You want to see all your imperfections. When you want to do makeup, 
you use bright white light. When you want to do a photo shoot, you use soft, warm light. Bright white light is like the glory of God. And what Isaiah and what Peter saw in the glory of God was his purity, his holiness, his perfect love, his righteousness. And in that light, in the pure light of that, God's holiness is in his glory. When they looked at themselves, what they saw was their brokenness. They saw their imperfections, their blemishes. So their reaction was fear. So now we get to understand that actually Isaiah and Simon saw the same thing. They saw the glory of God. They saw his perfect righteousness. And I'm not suggesting that Simon actually had some sort of vision like Isaiah did. But he saw that perfect love, that purity of righteousness. And then he saw himself And said, woe is me. I am undone. I am unclean. I am a sinful man. Depart from me. And I think that the question that Jesus is asking Simon and us in that circumstance. Is do you know who I am really? Have you ever had that experience where you have seen that part of Jesus. Where you have been in awe. When you have been even afraid. Because of who Jesus has shown us to be in that light. Do you know who I am really? You know, it's interesting that earlier in the story, Simon calls Jesus master. Master is a term, for, is a term of respect, like teacher, rabbi, boss, something like that. But here at this moment, when he gets on his knees before Jesus, he calls him Lord. He calls him Lord. Lord is the title of someone who is worthy of worship. So I wonder for some of us, if we think that Jesus is respectable, we think that he is a teacher, a healer, we have not seen yet this side of him, the side of glory that makes us fall to our knees. One little detail I love about this story is really about Simon himself. Simon's birth certificate probably said Simon Barjona. But we actually know Simon by the nickname that Jesus gave to him, which was Petra, Rock, or Peter. What's interesting is I've been calling Simon Simon because in the story, that's what Luke calls him. Throughout the story, he calls him Simon, 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 Simon. Except in one moment, the moment when he has this revelation of who Jesus is and sees him, In his glory, Luke calls him Simon Peter. And then after this story is done, after Luke tells the story, from then on in the Gospel of Luke, he is Peter. He's no longer Simon, he is Peter. Now you can really, it's kind of dangerous to make too much of little details like this, but I really do think Luke is trying to tell us something here. I think he is trying to tell us about Simon Peter's origin story. Origin stories. So, uh, if you've been to the movies within the last three or four years, you know that superhero movies are all the rage right now. There's, there's practically a new superhero movie out every month. And the first of those superhero stories, more or less, is probably going to be an origin story. And these origin stories are just all throughout our culture. We know these stories. We're familiar with them. You can think about Peter Parker. 
Peter Parker got bit by a radioactive spider and he becomes Spider-Man. Billionaire Bruce Wayne falls into a cave of bats and becomes Batman. That's right. T'Challa, Prince of Wakanda. His father gets assassinated and becomes Black Panther. I'm getting some blank stares here. That's okay. I actually just threw them in because this is an excellent movie and it is an origin story and you should go see it. But it is one of many origin stories, and we know these stories, except for maybe Black Panthers. But these origin stories are familiar to us. But they're not original. 2,000 years ago, Luke told the origin story of Simon, the fisherman, who met Jesus and became Peter, the evangelist, the fisher of men, who brought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to know Jesus So when we see this story of Simon in a boat and the fishes flopping around and him getting on his knees, we have to realize that this is a story of change. This is an origin story for Simon. And we see Jesus asking us and Simon, do you want to change? Do you want to change? Because if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you do in fact trust him, if you do in fact see the side of glory that Jesus presents to us, You cannot but help to be changed. Jesus is interested in needing you and knowing you because as you draw near to him, as you love him, he changes you to be more like him. Jesus isn't Alice Cooper. He's not interested in fans and people who would just admire him. He is interested in people who trust him, who who see his glory and who are, in fact, changed by him. Now, I'm passionate about this. This is the reason why I even came into ministry. Because I care so much about change. It's my story. It's my origin story. 20 years ago, I was about 15 or 16 years old. And I was not the person I am now. I was the most painfully shy person you would have ever met. I loved to go to the library. Because I could read books there and I could take some books home. But the one thing I hated about the library was going up to the checkout counter because I had to interact with a human being. I I would be so nervous. I would be so afraid of talking to a person. That's the kind of person I was. And looking back, I know that the trajectory of my life was one towards isolation and addiction. I really believe that. If I had just been left in that trajectory, I would be... Who knows what, but I would not be in a good place. But God intervened. Jesus came into my life. I met a girl who was starting a youth group at a church, and she invited me to the youth group. And through this girl, I saw the glory of Jesus. In her, I saw Jesus' love, his joy, and his peace. And I wanted it. I wanted it. I very distinctly remember one day in privacy of my home, kneeling down before a chair, very much like Simon Peter in his boat. And I prayed, very much like Simon Peter. I said, I am wretched. I am angry. I am bitter. I am lonely. I am isolated. And I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to change. So I asked Jesus to change me. There wasn't a lightning bolt or anything like that. 
But I knew that once I stood up from that chair, something was different. I had crossed some sort of threshold. A year later, I was standing in front of the church helping to lead worship. Two years later, I was on a trip, a mission trip to Honduras. And I was helping to lead that youth group that I had joined. God did change me. He really did change me. I'm not the person I was 20 years ago. I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the person I was five years ago. Because I have pursued Jesus. I have trusted in him as much as I possibly can. And he has changed me. I'm so grateful that my origin story is not unique. That there are many here this morning who have their own origin stories. Ways that Jesus has changed you. But I know that there are also some here who do not have an origin story. Who've never seen Jesus like Simon Peter did. Hasn't seen his glory. Haven't trusted him. Let me tell you, Jesus wants to know you. He wants to show you that side of him. He wants to change you to someone who looks more like him. Let me pray for us. Father God, I'm so grateful that you are a God who'd, who wants to be in our lives, who comes down, mingles with us, who gets in a boat, tells us to do things that seem so crazy to us. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to trust you, to make that leap of belief, to make that leap of behavior where we act like you, in spite of everything else in our world that says that that's crazy. Lord, help us to trust in you. Lord, help us to see that side of you, that side of glory, that image of glory that Isaiah and that Simon Peter saw. Help us to see your perfect goodness, your love, your righteousness, your purity. Help us to see that. Help us to be blown away by it. And Lord, in that, help us to be changed. Help us to become more like you. We're not satisfied. Let us not be satisfied, Lord, to just go along with the flow. Let us not be satisfied to just be a fisherman, to be whatever we're doing and just go on with life. But Lord, change us. Make us something new. By your Holy Spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.